gracious me. Mr. Bone, how are you, my Mr. friend? Mr. Slacken! <laughs> oh, mate, how are you feeling? Top of the world, my friends. Living yeah. the dream. Me too. Good lads. What are you up to, uh, Daz? Mate, I, uh, I ate kimchi for the first time last night. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like one of those dodgy Japanese movies. <laughs> I had it as a as an accompaniment, which uh, which I was reading about. Apparently, pretty much a lot of I guess Asian countries, but apparently a lot of countries in the world have a fermented product as an accompaniment. Oh, absolutely, um, but, mate! But yeah, but we in the UK we don't really do fermented products. We, we've and, we've uh, been known as the laggards of food cuisine for many a century, haven't we? Yeah, we have. But um, it, it's it, it's really weird. I don't know if it's a placebo thing. But it makes my stomach feel better. And when my stomach feels better, the rest of me feels better as well. Ah. So, yeah, last night I had some kimchi. I, admittedly, I had rested for two days after ruining myself on some hills on Saturday and Sunday. So I hadn't run for two days. But I went out running this morning and I felt, I felt pretty, pretty good, like a kimchi wow. god. Yeah. Can you, could you imagine running solidly 24 hours on a pure kimchi nutritional strategy Ooh, let's do yeah, it well Dad. you want to try the yeah, a pure fermented 24 hour run yeah <laughs> i so make my own kimchi. When, um, you, you make your own yeah yes mate yeah, yeah there's a it, totally it, w- wicked dude called the minimalist baker okay yeah his kimchi recipes um pretty awesome he, he sounds this- like the sort of person who'd live in hackney does he live in Hackney? He probably lives on my street. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing, Daz, in the kimchi making process, you basically slice up your, your cabbage, yeah? Yeah. And you stick it in a bowl and you add, like, salt. I'd obviously recommend good quality salt, like molden sea salt. And <laughs> you basically, you get your, your hands in there the same way you would do in the sourdough making process. And you scrunch it up. And you leave it for half an hour. And when you come back, it's like it's sweating. It's like... Sweaty cabbage. It's like a sweaty cabbage. And then you go another half an hour and it's even sweatier. So basically, it's just like, it's just, you know, it's bringing out the the water. But but the level at which it does it, it's insane, man. And then, you know, you start off with this massive cabbage. And by the end, it's kind of really reduced down to, you know, the bit you can then use in the kimchi making process. It's a wonderful thing. How, how many cabbages do you need to make a jar of kimchi? You ju- Well, this is the thing, because if you look at like your, the jar that you bought, yeah? Yeah. And you think there's probably not a lot of cabbage in there. But if, yeah, you probably can start with almost an entire cabbage. And then by the time you've gone through that process and then you mix it up with, you know, other stuff, ginger carrot yeah. gets obviously the, the killer ingredient is some really good quality uh, chili flake so like if you go for it's like one of those korean stores yeah. they to kick ass uh, chili flakes and, and you, don't, yeah. you don't have to put uh, you don't have to put a yeast kind of thing in this right no because the process itself so once you've made your jar up you kind of keep it in a darkened cellar for 48 hours <laughs> You always got to make sure your ingredients are quite packed, buddy. So you kind right. of you can open the jar, you can pack it down again. And then, yeah, then you would just put it in the fridge for 
a few days before you start using it. Right. You right. experiment with that type of thing. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. That's good. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, so uh, I have been feeling a little bit emotional this morning, actually, David. <laughs> Why is that, uh, my brother? Well, this is because the great guest that we've got on today is a massive comrade's Ah, um, your your beloved comrades, of course. My, yes, my beloved beloved comrades. So, comrades is uh, was was my first ultramarathon, and yeah. So, thinking about thinking about interviewing uh, Mister Mister Stocks is just brought back so many memories and just just brilliant Beautiful. brilliant memories. So, I've been having fun kind of looking back on uh, comrades. Anyone listening to this has probably heard of comrades, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's the world's oldest. And largest ultramarathon. I, I always uh, find that pretty wonderful thing that it is that South Africa does have the oldest existing ultramarathon race. Has it celebrated its hundredth anniversary? No, I think it's not far off hundred. I think it's on. Yeah. I think it's on like 90, 95 or ninety six or something like that. Um, I think it started just after World War. That I just. Round towards the end of World War One. I. I think it yeah. started in like nineteen seven, maybe even before i can't quite remember i should know um 17 18 19 uh 19 17 18 19 um so yeah nearly 100 years ago i started off very as all of these amazing things do on a sort of tiny tiny scale and it was, it was to do with honoring uh war uh comrades that's where it gets its name from you know soldiers who had fought fought together yeah. and but I think um, it sort of morphed into kind of a sort of symbol of, um, of of kind of a new South Africa, I guess. When there was a lot of sort of symbolism around uh, around apartheid and things like the this the Soweto, Soweto uprising and that kind of thing. That uh, I mean, I think I think it probably wasn't without its problem without its problems. I think I think black runners were actually excluded from it for for a very very long time. And there's some interesting stories around that. But <clears throat> ultimately, it's become a kind of uh, certainly when 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 I when I ran it with with our dear friend Jamie um, in 2006. Um, it had become a kind of pooling. It felt like it was a real pooling together um, mm. of, of of all the different different things in in South Africa, and it, and it was it was magical. It was it was absolutely magical. It really was. Just got it just got everything that 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 you could want in a in a race. I mean, um, just the you know the challenge of it, the the scale of it in terms of numbers of people, the, the history, so many kind of amazing. I mean, we, we, I could probably talk for hours about it. Actually, just the old <laughs> brilliant, brilliant traditions and stories, and just all the characters that have run it, and ah, it's just, it's just fantastic. Yeah, um, Daz, have you got an idea of the rough ratio between how many people come from, you know, other countries specifically for comrades, and you know how popular it remains as, as a locals' race? Uh, I don't know an exact ratio. I don't know a ratio. I think I think the number of number of international runners is fairly high. I mean, it, I mean the the, the the participation numbers are, are incredible, actually. So yeah. I think I think when I ran it, uh, I think there were something like maybe fourteen or fifteen thousand. It's gone up. It's gone up to above twenty thousand there. They might have they might have actually had to cap it because it just you know it's. It's, a, it's, a, it's like it, obviously it's an ultra, but it's it's like a big city marathon in terms of the number of people. We've never seen anything yeah. like it. Twenty thousand people just snaking out on this on this massive road. It's just it really is a sight to behold. And and how they do the I mean, the, the age stations are kind of like in in Spartathlon in a way. Like they're they're very frequent. So there's there's age stations every 
every three kilometers with you know twenty thousand runners descending on them. So it's a it's an amazing logistical challenge. I mean, one of one of the brilliant things about it, which we'll we'll chat more with with Mike about, is there's uh, so to go back to the international runners thing. You you can kind of identify runners in the race by uh, people get uh, when you're allocated your number. The the number kind of usually means a bit of something. Um, so. Uh, international runners get a certain kind of number, a certain color of number, or there's, or there's a cross hatching or something on a number. Um, and that, that obviously marks you out as a visitor to the country. So as an international yeah. visitor, uh, you get a lot of, a lot of people will say, you know, when they, when they come past or, or if you go past someone, ah, yeah, where are you from? Where are you from? You know, yeah, thank, yeah, thanks for coming. Hope you enjoy it. And there's, I think it's, it's a really nice touch because, um, those those kind of numbers mark people out in different different kind of ways, and it just promotes so much. There's so much banter and so much encouragement. It's just like a sort of running kind of party, you know. It's, it's it is like a it's like a social club, twenty thousand people social club. So yeah, that's one of the things that makes it makes it fantastic. There's a whole other thing about medals, uh, different different types of medals. So the medals are sort of broken down by by kind of time category. Yeah, it would be good to ask Mike about about some of those. So, uh, welcome to the podcast, GB and South Africa legend, Michael Stocks. Hey, Des. Hi there. Hey, Mike. Hey, Dave. How you doing? All right, buddy. We were, uh, we were just reminiscing, Mike, about, uh, about the wonderful comrades um, before you joined us. And uh, I was telling David about the, uh, the many sort of traditions of, of comrades and how my, my intention was to avoid the worst, uh, not the worst, that's terrible, the last medal category. The Vic, the Vic Clapham medal. Have you, have you ever had a Vic Clapham, Mike? In your, I, I haven't. But what I would say is, there's no, there's no bad medal in comrades. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, we all try to kind of get as far up the medals as we can. But um, yeah, I, I must say, there's uh, any medal in comrades is a, is a good day out. Um, but uh, yeah, no, glad. Uh, I have. I was looking at the results actually uh, yesterday, and do you realise we actually debuted on the same. In, in, on the same day at Comrades. I think mean, you were 2006, really? weren't you? 2006, yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. So I, I think it was you who kind of elbowed me at the start line there and shoved <laughs> me out of the way. I, I recognize you kind of, you know, next time I saw you all those years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we were, we were in the same race. Yeah, 2006. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's really cool. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, I was just saying to David, I was, I was feeling quite emotional this morning, actually, look, looking, looking back on it. And um, yeah, it's just such an incredible, I mean, I can remember being nervous as hell standing yeah. on, that, on that start line. I had absolutely no idea if I could run 55 miles. No idea, it's terrifying. Um, but what an amazing race. It is such a special day. Really yeah. Is. yeah. Yeah. What 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 stand what stands out for you, Mike, about your sort of um, your comrades' experience in terms of like you know the maybe I don't know. There's so many traditions around the race, isn't there? What's what's your mm-hmm. sort of favourite kind of comrades kind of tradition or? Thing? Oh wow. Um, I suppose when you think about the race, there's so much kind of around it. So it's not just you know the the, the race itself. It's kind of the build up and the the history and the everything from kind of the results kind of database going back to the very first races and I, I could go and look at my dad's runs you know kind of in the kind of ancient times um, and stuff like that um, <laughs> but I think things like probably the start line and um, I know it's yeah. kind of before the race but you know I, I guess a lot of people would have seen the videos out there 
you know, shoshalos, uh, you know, the, everyone's singing before the before the start, mm-hmm. uh, which is very much kind of part of the kind of South African sporting and, and cultural tradition. And um, Chariots of Fire and Chariots of Fire sounds different at the start of Comrades to anywhere else. I mean, it's just it just is kind of electric and magical and um so that so that that kind of build up when i think about the race i'm always so looking forward to that um yeah i mean obviously the finish is also well the finish of any ultra is great uh, very good news but there's something about kind of the whole atmosphere and the the crowds you know because you know a lot of ultras were used to small small crowds whereas you know comrades got thousands of people it's massive isn't it? finish yeah. you know, it's incredible yeah as you come in so it's it's completely unique as an ultra really it's like a, um you know as you know it's like a kind of a, a big city marathon but you know twice as far plus a 5k with a hundred years worth of tradition it's, it's just incredible yeah it's brilliant yeah there's something that i'm very curious about mike aware of our our sort of mutual dear friend nathan fleer yeah nathan spent some time out in uh, kenya and he was spent you know a while training some local brilliant marathon runners yeah who weren't quite at the grade to be kind of going around the european circuit in international marathons and you know he was he was attempting to see if he could turn them into mm. great ultra runners and one, one of the things I'm very curious about in terms of comrades is what, in your experience, you know, are there a lot of brilliant marathon runners, mm-hmm. you know, local South Africans, perhaps just doing a one-off comrades, or mm-hmm. is it an entire sort of culture of potentially brilliant, dedicated ultra runners out there? I mean, what an amazing project to be able to do something like that, you know, like Nathan yeah. is doing, and that's incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, in South Africa, the only thing that counts is comrades. So, you know, if you're a, a top marathon runner, it's 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 you'll get a lot of respect. And obviously, if it's Olympics or something, it's it's important and it counts then. But otherwise, like if you're if you or I were doing a marathon, you know, in the UK, everyone goes, "Wow, cool, you're doing a marathon." In South Africa, they just say, "Are you qualifying to run comrades?" You know, because that's all that really matters. So. Um, so you got you got guys like so it's a lot, there's a lot of comrade specialists because all the big teams like Ned Bank and stuff in South Africa are geared entirely around comrades because that's where there's you know 13 hours of TV coverage um, the whole nation kind of is there watching it's where the the big bucks are you know the prize money's there um, there's money you know from the sponsors and stuff coming in um, so people who want to make a career out of running in South Africa will do comrades or they go overseas and run marathons and stuff. If you look at people like uh, um, Hendrik Mahler and Geert um, Thijs, um, I mean, world, world-class um, South African uh, marathon runners, neither of them have been able to convert um, at ultras, which is interesting. I mean, these are, in theory, you know, they, they could do something very special. And I mean, Geert Thijs kind of very... Um, loudly said he thought he could break five hours at comrades and, and yeah, I don't think he's finished one yet and that's no disrespect to him you know he gave it a go and, and and well done to him for for having the guts to say what he thought was possible but I think really what he was saying is in theory if you took you know a, a top South African or um, Kenyan marathon runner I mean they in theory they should be able to run a lot close to five hours but you know the, the theory is very different to the reality and um so I think what we see at Comrades, it's, it is like a world championship in many ways of, 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 of short ultra running anyway. You get the best coming from all over the world. 
Um, Bruce Fordyce, who won it, I think, what was it, nine or ten times? Nine or um, ten times, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he kind of said in one of his books that the that sort of his build was almost perfect for comrades because it's kind of the he called it the Scottish build, I think, which <laughs> that, that's going to insult <laughs> anybody on this call. Um, <laughs> kind of small with big legs. Um, I don't. I must say, I haven't personally met any, any Scots with that with that particular look. Um, well, yeah, but you're not, you know, you've seen me running around the hills of Ali Pali. You've got big on. legs. I'm not sure, you're kind of like a stick up top. You're too muscular and, and broad shouldered for that. But um, yeah. you know, he kind of had this theory that that kind of runner <clears throat> does really well. And, and you know, some of the things I've, I've seen kind of is that the kind of the quintessential, very thin uh, marathon runner might struggle on the hills. Personally, I think there are some of those guys who could absolutely knock it out of the park. If you know the money incentives was there, eventually someone would get it right. Um, but they have tried to make they had all kinds of incentives, like millions of rands, um, which you know is even a few worth a few pounds these days still, um, to get um, you know some of the top guys, marathon runners over there. But the guys who did go to South Africa didn't manage to convert. So yeah, it is a interesting mm-hmm. thing. But um, it would be great to see some of the like current top marathon runners going there and just seeing what happens. Um, Mike, do you have a a top tip for, you know, I've got quite a few mutual friends like myself Mm. who have never been to comrades, Mm. you know, are there sort of common mistakes you see uh, UK or kind of international runners making when they sort of go over and attempt their first comrades? Well, 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 they make the same one everyone else does, which is go out much too fast, which, you know, we all do in every ultra. But um, I think it's even more dangerous in a way for kind of people coming from overseas because there's been this expectation, there's this big trip, you're often hanging out with other people, you know, you've gone over with, and there's this whole kind of build up of excitement over a number of days. Um, you then got Shoshalaza, Chariots of Fire at the start. It's 5.30 in the morning, it's dark, you've got these big spotlights, there's music blasting out, and it's the gun, go- the, the, uh, gun goes uh, it's actually cannon uh, blasts and there's just this, this charge. And I can only describe it as a charge. And as it was, Daz elbowing me out of the way with a thousand other people <laughs> on each of those runs because it is an absolute cavalry charge. And it's very easy to get caught up in it in a way that, you know, kind of going out on a hundred miler, sedate hundred miler up a mountain, uh, you don't get that kind of, kind of rush. Even, even something like London Marathon, you don't get, get that kind of there's a buzz but it's just not you know it's a great atmosphere but it's just not the same so I think to prepare yourself for that you know is the absolute key thing and the other thing I would just say to somebody is just to particularly if it's a first comrades is just go and then embrace it and enjoy it for for all the kind of little oddities and the bit of the bureaucracy at the um, I mean the positive bureaucracy but you know it's kind of very ordered and lots of rules and stuff and don't be put off by any of that that you read before the race just kind of go in and then embrace it because it is just an amazing day out just as a social and a cultural event as well as a you know as well as a run and you know as I said today as at the beginning however you do it's just going to be amazing so yeah. you know just just go in there and enjoy it which raises the question sir why have you not been out to run comrades yet so what's what's what is it the travel and what's kind of just too many other things to do what's kind of stopped you he's yeah, just scared it, mike he's scared <laughs> <laughs> no it's a dream it's uh it's an absolute dream mm. uh, race one that i undoubtedly will definitely do um yeah it's usually just the challenge you know what it's like uh, mike i mean um 
you start off a year, don't you? You sort of stick in, as, as we've both done, some of the 24-hour things have been high on our list. And then it's just kind of factoring in kind of things that lead up to your kind of eight goals. So as you said, the travel that's involved and the cost versus pitching an equally good, valid local race. I, I guess is the challenge, you know. I think fun, right. fundamentally, though, the, the, prob- the problem is that it requires a bit of planning. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the, the reason David does so many 24-hour races is that it's pretty easy to get into 24-hour races. <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't have to think about it that much. You just uh, you send an email to Shankara and that's it. You know? <laughs> Sorry, David. You're, you're, you're going to have to put a date on it now, Dave, when you're going to go. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. Yeah, when? Well, when? What, what do you? What do you? What do you think? Any commitments? On on a previous podcast, Mike with Dead Martin Consani, we yeah, I heard that. we we stuck a date on attempting the Bob Graham round, and I mean climbing up Ali Pali is probably the nearest we've got <laughs> so far. So you know, there's only so many things we can kind of commit to and, and massively fail at. So uh, yeah, one at a time at the moment. Yeah, what, what I will say is, comrades, at least there's a there's kind of big fences on each side of the road, so you know where to go, and uh, so it's a bit less kind of wrecking and planning in that sense. So probably I would I would favour that one for ease of of access. If you had to, yeah, choose. you can't you can't really get it wrong, can you? No. Um, I wanted to ask a little. Actually, one of just briefly one of, one of my favourite kind of comrades' experiences was was to do with was to do with the numbers actually. So. Mm. Um, uh, there's this whole thing about people have got different different numbers, haven't they? Like, um, there's, there's, I think there's actually a one to ten thing, isn't there? Which is some kind of family inheritance thing, <laughs> really? um, which is just incredible. Yeah, um, I think it, you know if you've got more than like I don't know fifteen or twenty finishes, then you get a permanent number, and then you can only give that. Yeah, is it ten? Yeah. yeah, so your green number is so oh, after ten. You, you your your number is it's basically a little piece of running immortality. So your number is yeah, retired. You get your number for life. Yeah, yeah. It's so number that's, that's, what, that's your that's your green number, and you, you um, keep that. Yeah. So that's what happened to us. So we were uh, so we you know there was the whole start thing, which is incredible, and then we set off and we because we obviously visiting from the UK, we had the international numbers, so mm-hmm. everybody was going, ah, oh, yeah, you guys are from the UK, oh, yeah, chat, chat, <laughs> chat, and uh, and lots of chatting going on, and good luck, and blah blah blah, and what time you're hoping for, and it was great, you know, lots of banter, mm-hmm. and um, we I think we were going up the first the first climb. Um, and this guy came up, he came up and I over, over, over two Canadians. Oh, you guys are from the UK and blah, blah, blah. And he, did, he stayed with us for maybe, I don't know, a couple of miles. And we, and we were chatting and he was going, well, this is what, you know, this is what you should, you should think about this. And when you get to this age station, you think about that and you need to make this cut off. And poly shorts, make, you know, you've got to get a poly shorts. And, uh, and we're like, yeah, this is amazing. We're getting all this advice. It's brilliant. <laughs> and he said, but the most important bit of advice I can give you is you only ever take advice from someone who's got a green number, <laughs> and we're like, okay. And then you ran off, and he yeah. and he didn't and he didn't have a green number. <laughs> <laughs> Although that probably was the best advice, is yeah, just follow the guy in green, yeah, or if they say something, because yeah, every South African is an expert on comrades, and um, whether they run it or not, because everyone's seen it a hundred times. And uh, yeah, anyone who's run it is an expert as well. So um, I mean, yeah, yeah we're, we're both experts. I mean, David David's an expert now. Yeah, you know, having listened to us <laughs> speaking for the first few minutes. So, um, but yeah, no, that so sounds take, like good advice. I take it, Mike, that you um, after that first time in 2006, then you just you decided. Or was that was that always the plan? I'm going to do lots of these. Or was it after 06 that you just you loved it so much that you subsequently became a a green 
Yeah, I, I, I did just love the experience. I mean, the, the first one, I mean, I was kind of pretty desperate for a silver, which is under seven and a half hours, which is sort of the kind of gold standard for the kind of good club runner level. Um, yeah. And um, I, I missed that. I had a, I blew up at halfway, basically went out too fast, did all the things I just described to you. To avoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and um, kind of walked a lot in the second half and I came in and I think seven, seven forty-seven or something. And um, I was really determined. I was really upset about that, although it was an amazing day. Um, so I thought about nothing else for the, the next year. And then the next year I, I went and I made silver by, I think it was about 25 seconds, um, Ooh, which was nice. one of literally one of the greatest moments in my life uh, because it was just <laughs> so, so tight. And um I was just, you know, everything out there couldn't, you know, couldn't stand at the finish, that kind of, that kind of performance, but it was just a very, very emotional day. And I thought, well, that's it. I can't you know, ever do better than that. But, and then I took a couple of years off to focus on the marathon. Um, and then I, I, then I realized that you know, ultras were more my kind of my, my thing. Um, yeah. So I just went back and, you know, the thing about comrades, if you do one, you go, Oh, I've done the up run. I'd have to go back and go the other way. So I might as well go do the down run. And then you go, well, I have to, you know, get, get it right. And then you do three, you do four, you go four. Well, I might as well get to five. You get five. Well, I'm only, I'm halfway to my green number. There's always something that takes you, that takes you back. Um, And I kind of got into that whole thing. And then the whole thing was to get under seven hours. And then it was to get the green number. And there's always something to, to kind of aim for. And it's just such a magical race that although I, in, in later years, I wasn't, it wasn't my focus. Um, like on one occasion, I, I was like five weeks after Thames Path, a hundred mile, I went and ran. Ooh. It was a <clears throat> bit of a disaster on my legs. Um, but I just wanted to be there and to just be part of it. And yeah. um you know, I, I haven't, unfortunately last year I couldn't get there because of the, the race schedule, but um, my, my hope is whenever I can get out there to just go and be part of it, even if it's not a, a target race, just to kind of yeah. be, because it, it is just so unique. It's just, it's just such a special community and vibe there. So, yeah. yeah that's brilliant. And is your green number, is, is the, the number that you're awarded, is, is that the number that you have on your 10th run? Um, no, so um, the great thing, one of the many great things about comrades is if you run it once, they'll keep your number for quite a while uh, in the hope that you come back and use it. They won't let anybody else use it. Um, so um, you may even find that yours is still being held over from 2006. No, Someone else may have used it by now. I don't know. But oh, even, if they have, even if they have the one you get next, they'll, they'll try to keep you for as long as possible. And like on, on the comrades, I mean, you can see the history of every number, whoever's running it in the whole history of the race, which is one of the really special things. So like my number, um, it's the same number I've run all my 10 runs in. Um, and then there's some guy in the 60s who ran with it for the first time who, who didn't, he didn't start, but his name's there if you look at the history of the number. And I kind of like that because it's just kind of part of the tradition. So there's some little, that little bit of extra history with my, with my number. So when you get a green number, you literally get a number. So you, you finish the race, they take you off to a special little presentation area. And they hand you a, it's a cloth, um, like woven number in gold and green. Oh, and brilliant. you get you get handed it by one of the comrades legends as they called them and they called them. So I got given mine by Tommy Malone who um, won it in 1966. I think it was. Wow. And he was the, the flying Scotsman. They called him um, <laughs> yeah, the Scotsman. We lived out, lived out in, in South Africa for many years. And there's a very, very famous video, which I would, I would encourage 
anyone who uh, is interested in comrades to look for if they haven't already seen it of um, uh, Tommy Malone running, coming up to the finish, and then his legs give way like two yards from mm. the finish. And Marnie Kuhn, it's 1967, comes fl just flying past him in the last second. Um, and that's Tommy Malone. He'd actually won it, thank God, the year mm -hmm. before. Uh, so I was a bit less sad to see the video when I knew that. Um, but uh, one of the, the great dramatic moments, not just in comrades, but in running. And um, yeah. yeah, so he, I was very, very privileged to get my green number from him. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those very special things. That's that's amazing. That's that's kind of like the ultra running equivalent of um, Tiger Woods getting taken into the the butler cabin, and getting the, the green <laughs> green jacket, and it, and it feels like that. Yeah, you know, it's it's incredible. Yeah. And um, so I think for the the wonderful thing is for I say the you know just for any runner who can not any runner can do can do ten comrades. It's difficult, particularly if you're in the UK or somewhere overseas to get over there. Even once is difficult, let alone ten times. But for anyone who can get there. It is this amazing opportunity to, as I say, grasp that little bit of, of running immortality and get that green and to, to have that moment, you know, where you, you, you do get one of these incredible um, legends of the, of the sport and of ultra running kind of, you know, warding you this thing you can then put on your wall. I was going to frame it. I'm afraid I haven't got around to it. It was a very <laughs> nice thought, but, um, um, but, you know, I still, you know, I love that. And, and it's accessible to anybody who can, get through that course in 12 hours obviously 10 times yeah. but and that does make it accessible to a lot, lot of people um that's why it's why it's so special yeah you, you that's, know that's many british of... runners mike that um have got you know the, all, the green number um i'm not aware i mean there will be there will be some um i think yeah. there's more and more of us going out now so um i mean a lot of my quite a few of my club mates are going out now um and on kind of about three or four yeah. and they all were you know going just for the comrades experience and of course then you know kind of going back so i i'm sure some of them will, will get there in about you know five six seven eight years time so um and wow. uh yeah. yeah so daz your any thoughts on from you i mean are you is that something that's you've kind of thought about going for green my, as my a long, very long term strategy well yeah yeah I'd, I'd love i'd love to absolutely absolutely love to um yeah i mean you know i, I think in terms of i i think the thing about comrades is i mean it, it was it was terrifying kind of at, at the start and um of you know the fir first first ultra not not knowing if you could do it or not but it is actually not to say it's easy but it's quite it's quite an achievable ultra actually i think once you yeah. once you kind of know a little bit about about what you're doing and you see a lot of older i mean i'm i'm cracking on a bit a bit now but i've probably got a few years left in me um so <laughs> you I see people who mean, because yeah. i think uh, i think the oldest finisher is kind of like i think he's maybe 80 actually. yeah yeah there's guys in the um, 80s who finish yeah so there's, pl there's plenty of time um you know to combine it with um i mean the time that, that that we went there we were we were recently married actually we just got married in 2005 and we, we made a holiday out of it mm -hmm. and we we spent two weeks in, in south africa and, and we had we had a great time um, you know we, we drove around and went to a lot I mean, lots of places that we didn't go to i think you can make some great some great holidays out of uh, out of it so yeah uh, absolutely i'd love nice. to i'd love to go back um actually one of the things as you were talking mike one, one of my favorite things about the race was um the the number of people and i'd have to say it was it was mostly seemed to be mostly guys actually mm. who clearly they were going to comrades as a big kind of day out 
um, that, that they didn't really <laughs> that they didn't really train that much for. I mean, some some of these guys were pretty. They were they were pretty they were pretty big pretty big units, um, <laughs> but they um, they just wanted to uh, they just wanted to have a day out and have, have yeah. a party. And uh, there was this whole thing about getting in under under the twelve hour cut off, which I thought was just brilliant. It's almost like people set themselves up to be. I'm gonna do eleven fifty eight, you know, just to get <laughs> under the under the gut. Uh, it was great. It was great to watch, and some um, you know some people obviously not making it. And it's mm. quite emotional, and people making it just just under the barrier. And yeah, can, can you get uh, beer on the aid station? Yeah, you can. Um, yeah. Well, you'll you'll certainly be handed it by you know kind of the crowd along the way. So um, <laughs> there's a lot of people having their brys, um, as we call their, their barbecues, and um, so there's a few kind of hills where you you're running through the smoke and and whatever fumes of all the all the barbecues and um, it's not actually that helpful. But if you're kind of not too worried about your time, then you will get those guys will be offering you all kinds yeah, of things. It definitely includes beer and um, brandy. Um, all that kind of stuff so um but, but yeah that's that's one of the things that makes it so so hard as well because you're you're running through these i mean the crowds are incredible but everybody's having a party yeah so if, if you if you stop if you know if you're uh, you get to 35 miles and and you stop and you start walking and all these people will be like ah man don't worry about it just just come over here and have have a steak have, have a steak and a, and a beer and you'll be fine and you're like oh I can't do that because I've got another 23 miles to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, is, it is amazing. It's, it's, a, it's just an incredible day out. And um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people, it's their whole focus for their running year, even if it just kind of gets them out jogging, you know, once a week or something. And they do just enough to get around uh, the course yeah. so they can add, you know, move, go towards their green or, you know, get, get, get another comrades or at least just hang out with their mates. So yeah, it, it's a, yeah, it's a wonderful social occasion. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, we should probably talk about some other stuff, shouldn't we? Um, <laughs> there's on, other stuff from comrades. There's other stuff apart from comrades. Well, uh, so Mike, you, um, I mean, obviously, um, you're you're a club runner, right, for for London London Heath sites, and yeah. I think it's fair to say that you're a pretty pacey runner uh, uh pretty much kind of you know the short the club the club stuff 10 10k half marathon marathon um at what point did you kind of decide well obviously you, you had comrades from quite early early on but um at some point you obviously decided to make a transition kind of beyond uh beyond fast club running and go go into really quite quite long quite long ultras um what, what was your what was your motivation behind that making that step from from comrades onwards yeah i guess it started with uh with comrades and, and you know, i mean i've been in the uk for about 21 years now but comrades you know coming from south africa was always very much part of my my kind of um upbringing and you know sort of in my in my dna so <clears throat> if you were a runner in south africa you ran comrades at some point so they kind of got me into it um and then um i suppose i just i realized i was kind of I, my strength was just being able to run and keep running um sort of as a as a in shorter distances you know i was a reasonable sort of club standard uh, marathon and stuff but i wasn't i wasn't quick i was never going to um you know kind of be able to get to sort of an international level or, or, or anything yeah. like that um whereas kind of what what i do do kind of better is 
be able to just run at a reasonable pace for, for quite a long time. So as I, I think I sort of figured that part out, um, I sort of thought those, th those were things I enjoyed more. I mean, I, I would literally rather go and do a 50 mile training run than go and run a half marathon at, mm. at full pace because I, I don't really enjoy the faster stuff. My, my coach has to absolutely harangue me to go and do a 10k or a half marathon race or something um and i do them you know for kind of hard training and stuff but um the stuff i really enjoy is is, is the longer stuff so i think once you find that out then it's really a journey um as you guys i guess will will know um you, you sort of go okay and so for me it was comrades first and then sort of you know i was reading all these amazing blogs about people doing 100 miles and it just yeah. seemed insane because you know comrades is sort of 56 miles and the idea of going for 100 miles just seemed impossible um but like anything you start to apply your mind learn more about it and 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 do some training runs and it starts to sort of become a, a, a plausible possibility and then I, I um, entered my first 100 mileage to kind of see how it would go. And that was the Thames Path 100, um, right. um, which was just a, an incredible, wonderful day. Um, just part of the Centurion running community, which yeah. I just, you know, is a, is a lovely group of people. Um, and I had a had a great run and I, I didn't know what would happen kind of after 60 miles. But yeah. um, I actually found I could keep going fairly well and had a great race. And yeah. Um, yeah and uh, yeah. So kind of when, when you say you had to see that. to see how it would go you basically went into one of the uk's biggest trail races and won it <laughs> yeah no it was wonderful yeah. it, was, it was great um yeah it was yeah. and it was i think and that, that obviously made it very special but also just the whole yeah. sort of atmosphere the whole day i mean my just with my um my crew uh you know some of my mates there uh, supporting me kind of the atmosphere along the, the banks of the River Thames, um, yeah. just the whole, and I just thought, wow, this is, this is really, this is really great. And I did at that point have my eye kind of on um, uh, the um, sort of 24 hour stuff. Um, right. I'd, I'd been trying through the comrades for years to get into the England, to get an England vest for 100 K at the Anglo Celtic okay. plate. Um, and for like I don't know, five, six years, I, you know, I, I just couldn't, do my fast enough comrades or anything like that um and then um i eventually well, i found i got introduced to a, to a great coach norman wilson um actually by the convenio of england selectors walter hill and uh, he really helped me and i kind of um you know started focusing more on 100k and i wasn't going to be fast enough at 100k to get into the gb team but at, yeah. at 24 hour you know that was a, a possibility so so again, it was kind of then looking even longer at the longer stuff. Um, and uh, again, just sort of a, I don't think anyone starts out saying, yeah, I've run a 5k. I want to run a 24 hour race or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think these, um, these things kind of just happen by evolution, don't they? As we, as we yeah. explore really. Yeah. Sort of, sort of pro progression. I think that's, mm. um, there's, there's another runner that springs to mind that, um, it's the same kind of path. Well, I think I think he struggled a bit with injuries. Is Craig 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 Holgate? Yeah, he's uh, yeah. he's gone on a, a similar kind of route. He um he lapped me about three times in in a hundred k and and uh, <laughs> said that he was uh yeah he was he was he was too slow for for hundred k these days, but he was going to go for for twenty four hour. 
Um, tell you what, you could be left by Craig Holgate. Is no, um, no <laughs> I wasn't too ashamed. Yeah. Craig's amazing. I mean, Craig was was like my hero when I was trying to get into the England team because yeah, you know, he was just winning Anglo Celtic plates uh, repeatedly. Yeah, you know, he was like under seven hours GB team, um, absolutely fantastic runner, and of course, you know, made it into the GB twenty four hour squad as well, and has done trail. Yeah. I mean, he's incredibly talented. He's versatile, isn't he? Yeah, yeah it's very good very very good yeah so um yeah so then you um then well why don't you guys why don't you guys chat about i'll, I'll bow out and you can have a tooting <laughs> <laughs> a tooting romance there's, there's a brilliant photograph on the run and become website the organizers of the truly beautiful tooting vet dog transcendent um you know 24 hour run and it has a resplendent Mike at the front looking amazing in his comrade's top. <laughs> and then there is a total shower of runners behind, including myself and, <laughs> and the wonderful Bryn Jones. And and what totally sets us apart, other than the fact that you're the only one that looks like a runner, <laughs> is that as you, I mean, this, this is just priceless. I am wearing like five times as many clothes as Mike and and I am literally trying to take a puffer jacket off <laughs> off my shoulder whilst being behind Mike and it, it really got me thinking Mike that you know there was something very sort of powerful to me on that particular day and it was a real wake up moment in terms of my own you know ultra running and that was you know there was yourself and of course the equally brilliant Paul Maskell and you know it was it was a it was quite a bitter day wasn't it it was mm -hmm. there was a lot of rain mm -hmm. so you know it wasn't it wasn't the best conditions necessarily for being out for 24 hours but um you two just seemed to be sort of very dialed in to uh, sort of very mindful and purposeful race whereas myself in my puffer jacket you know it to me it was a bit like mr ben <laughs> I spent, you know, an hour of that race going in and out of the toilets, struggling to do these ridiculous clothing changes. And I sort of reflected back on that race and went, if I'd have just worn a, a running shirt and shorts like Mike, I'd have saved myself, I mean, genuinely, probably 20, 30 minutes. And, mm -hmm. But you seem to be doing everything like that. You know, the, the crew you had seemed to be dialed in you know what you were eating when you were being given the food just the way the pair of you I mean back to sort of Darren's point how long had you been preparing yourself kind of to be at that level of running so that that on that day you know you were running like that and clearly streets and above you know the rest of us out on on that track um, well, it's very nice of you to, to, to say those things. Um, I, I remember, I know that photo you're talking about. It was a couple, it was a whole sequence of about three. <laughs> one kind of at the start, um, but there's one just after the start. And you have this look of absolute joy on your face. And, and I'm sort of like pretty stern and serious and a very serious business. And you've got this absolute kind of like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Look, we've had a run for 24 hours. And one of the things I'm trying to learn is that, you know, is that kind of because what I'm very good at is um, planning and you know, I mean, my mental preparation for that race was massive. You know, I had my. Uh, mental performance coach. I had someone else kind of doing visualization with me. I um, 
planned everything very meticulously <clears throat> as, as, as you said with my crew they were incredibly well well drilled they had like notes of what to do say um, whatever so I, I kind of do all of that very well um, although I will say what I do I run to feel so I don't have a pace or anything like that I'm very into running to feel but the bit I'm missing is and I, well not missing but I'm trying to get more of is that kind of just remembering the joy of running when I'm in those kind of races because most of the time, I just love to run. When I go for a training run, it's just like, wow, the movement. Isn't this brilliant? And I see that on your face. You're just, you're just so happy to be there at the start of that race and that photo. And you just, you know, wow, I'm part of this thing. I'm running. Hooray, whatever. And I think that would help me to have a little bit more of that. And, and uh, Robbie Britton, um, who um, plays a big role in managing the GB24 Hour team, you know, he's trying to get me to... He, he's trying now be at the world 24 hours he was trying to get me to laugh and just or even just to smile you know and he said it took him i think it was about 11 hours to get me to smile or something so and i think that kind of combining those two things of having sort of a little bit of a carefree feel but still being very organized and planned i think is probably the the sort of the sweet spot you know it's kind of somewhere between the two but um yeah, no, those amazing how revealing photos can be <laughs> in races. Obviously, Mike, that was, you know, a sort of a, the platform for you, wasn't it, in terms of qualifying for, for Team GB? I mean, in terms, of, again, of your sort of like research and, and planning, did you sort of have a real strong kind of sense of what you needed to achieve in that particular race to kind of almost guarantee or was it still huge amounts of unknowns in terms of how far you needed to achieve to kind of get in? Yeah, I mean, one of the benefits of the sort of 24 hour is and the qualification system. So, you know, I, I knew is that you can see the results. You've, you've got to kind of look around quite carefully, but on like DUV and, and what have you, you can see what people have done. So I knew if I got over 245K um, that I would have a pretty good chance. Uh, the <clears throat> GB standard was uh, 240 but you know, that that didn't get that used to get you in the team. It doesn't anymore. You know, so you've got you've got guys running 245. You can't get into the team now. So yeah. I knew that every step further than that would get me in. The end, and I ended up just short of two, 250. Um, and actually, Paul Masco and I had a I say a conversation, sort of a bit of a grunt about it at some point um, on the track because um, he kind of felt he needed to get to 250, and we were just sort of exchanging thoughts and we kind of you know sort of agree no over 245 we do it you know and he I was kind of 249 he was 247 and you know, we both got selected so you know, which was wonderful because he's a you know, he's a lovely guy as you probably know and um you know we kind of <clears throat> you know but had a bit of a bromance on the track as well kind of encouraging each <laughs> other and and that sort of thing which is the nature of ultra running and I think especially the nature of 24-hour running you know it's, it is a real community so um yeah so I, I knew more or less what I had to do and then it was just kind of a nervous wait you know for selection after that and kind of watching all the other results you know came in the next three yeah. months to see what what everyone else did uh, did but um so yeah but I must say you I mean you had a really good run you were third third that day David um yeah and you were flying I mean the last um was it four or five hours you were absolutely flying and um I don't know if it was all the the, the clothes breaks or whatever that you had the energy but I mean I I must say I really felt that I think there's something kind of bigger for you in, in that format uh coming because 
You did. How, how, what was your your distance in the end? So that was it. Was just shy. It was just under two thirty, wasn't it? Yeah. You see, I mean, so I mean, the for I mean, sometimes for Europeans, like the GB standard for team selections, like two thirty five, two forty. Yeah. Um, if you look at how you were flying, and, and the weather wasn't good that day. I mean, we had we had nineteen hours of pissing gales, basically, uh, is how I would put it. Um, and almost as bad at the end as you guys had in Gloucester uh, last year. Not quite, but um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely more to come from you in that format as well by kind of just eking out. And, and as you say, kind of, yes, starting in the right clothes, um, just being willing so, to be a bit cold for a while. Um, it's going to go to his head, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more, Mike. Keep going, buddy. <laughs> Mike, I've got just one, one final thing. <laughs> Because like comrades, I could talk about tooting for absolute ever. <laughs> Mike, you've got a fantastic website, michael-stocks.com, which I heartily recommend our audience to go to because there's some wonderful kind of content on there, some brilliant blogs where you, you know, you share a lot of deep insights into kind of, you know, all of the, the sort of structure around that could benefit your running in terms of mental preparation. I just want to kind of focus on one absolutely fantastic. There's there's a section you have in there called Peace and Pain, Mike. Mm-hmm. And you introduce it with this absolutely wonderful quote. I'm just going to kind of steal a little bit from the quote. It says, your body will ache, but your heart will be lifted. You will feel kudos and pride, but there will also be sacrifice and loss. You will both compete and commune with those around you. You will laugh and cheer, shiver, shit, sweat, and cry. <laughs> it goes on, it's fantastic, Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated about the pain levels and how much pain do you think that you know, you've been able to kind of almost go through, be able to kind of push to these extra limits and how further you can push it. You know, when we talk about linear distances like 250k you know do you feel like you could do 260 mike 270 i certainly believe i can do 260 270 i think is beyond me just i just don't think i've got the, the natural pace um i think the guys doing those kind of distances are quite a lot faster at the marathon i think there's a lot of <clears throat> sort of two 15 to, to, to 228 type marathoners you know but, but yeah i can certainly believe i can go I can go further and yeah I mean the pain is I suppose with ultra running it's, it's a certain kind of pain isn't it because you know there's all those different kinds of pain and I, I'm a bit of a wimp when it comes to the kind of half marathon flat out pain as I said I can do it but I I I, I don't enjoy it it's, it's not that like I enjoy how I feel after 18 hours in a 24 hour but I think one of the things that ultra runners that kind of marks us out is that we have that ability to to just manage and accept that kind of um, encroaching exhaustion and and all the all the other things that 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 come come before it so sort of the you know the sore feet and joints and all those things that in a way we just learn to ignore and you know kind of by 18 hours you you feel those things less you feel you're so kind of consumed by exhaustion and um <laughs> and sickness and whatever else that kind of you know the fact you haven't got a toenail just doesn't really matter anymore does it so <laughs> uh, so yes yeah. so i think it's, it's different kinds of pains i think the i think as ultra runners we're good at, at those kind of those kind of pain um you know I, I don't think i would be a 
if I had, even if I had the speed to be a, a top 800 meter run or something, I, or, you know, 1500 or something, I, I think that's another kind of pain. And I, would I be so good at, the, at doing the track sessions and put myself through the level of suffering I would for an ultra or on a 50 mile training run, you know, probably not. Um, so I think we're all, we're all different. Um, but, you know, certainly I'm, I work while well, I'm working still on sort of the psychology uh, of, of these kind of events and hope that I can do better and take myself to where people like Dan Lawson take themselves because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think, you know, or, um, you know, Camille Heron, I, 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 I do think that, um, you know, for all I put myself through, there's other people who can go just that little bit further. And if I can learn from them, then, you know, then great. Um, you know, I, I haven't actually passed yeah. out or done anything untoward. I won't go into details, the kind of things that happen in the middle of 24 hour races. I've projectile vomited a lot, but, you know, not, not other kinds of accidents yet that some people have. So, you know, maybe there's another level to come from me still. So. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can move on to that point, uh, Mike. Obviously, you, you just mentioned uh, Camille. I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely feel an, an absolute sort of privilege to on that track with someone of Camille's greatness in in Albi, like yourself, yeah. as part of the World Championships in 2019. And maybe you can share a bit about that. But also, uh, in terms of your own race itself, Mike. I mean, um, even though I was, you know, on the track with you, I was only kind of a little bit aware of the strategy that Team GB had and it clearly had you as the uh, as the front guy being kind of put out there to effectively put on the, on the risk strategy to, to kind of lay yourself out on the line to potentially go the biggest distance of, of any of the Team GB and it, it didn't quite go to plan. He tell us a little bit more about the strategy and, and how the race unfolded for you, buddy. Uh, the race or, or the big vomit, as I call it. Big um, vomit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, likewise, and to, to see Camille going around, it was just, I mean, incredible. And, and yeah. likewise, you know, Alexander Sorokin, yeah. the man, when I mean, these guys are just in a, on a different planet at a different yeah. level. Um, and, um, you know, obviously, Part of its physiology but i i think they are superb mentally and um yeah, i'm sure we can learn a lot from them yeah we i mean i had a bit of a mare disaster the i just got incredibly ill um so yeah i went out fairly fast uh robbie was actually telling me to slow down a bit um <laughs> and it wasn't like stupidly fast i was you know i, I was I, I certainly thought i could get well into the 260s and i i, I think the i had to do that i had to go at the kind of pace i was going um it was a lot hotter than we expected. Um, and I normally would do some heat training, which I didn't do. Um, it's no excuse. I mean, everyone had the same conditions. Um, but I think I, I should have slowed down a bit when it got warmer um, a bit sooner. So I just got into really bad, bad state and spent the last, I don't know, 11 hours basically throwing up and, mm. and trying to, in the last eight hours, just trying to keep upright and, and keep walking. It was literally a case of, of trying not to just lie down or um and so the victory was just being out there for the full 24 hours so mm. um i remember sitting with my dad when i was a kid and it was some olympics or something and and someone dropped out of the race and my dad just being so upset and just going that's the olympics you're wearing your your country's vest you don't know if you'll ever be back surely you've got just just do your best and and be out there for the whole time and that did actually stick in my head and i was mm. like I don't care if, you know, whatever it takes up to crawl, I really do want to, 
just be out here for the full 24 and live each shitty moment for what it is and you know watch my teammates even if i'm just saying you know go go you know go paul or whatever it was as they come flying yeah. past um and and it was it's actually the first time that the whole gb team both men and women have ever all finished a race so mm. i'm really really glad i i did stay out there because it kind of gave us that and i think as a robbie robbie and, and john paris are very big into building the whole team ethos and um so you know the idea that we were all out there we all stayed out there we dealt with what, whatever we had to when we all finished i think is a great platform kind of moving forward and i would hate to have been the the one who kind of screwed that up and also i mean people like uh sarah who, who was uh, throwing up after like four hours or whatever mm, and you just see what yeah. people go through in those races and you go you know, I, I can't, I can't leave, <laughs> you know, you see people, I mean, just in the un, most incredibly bad state and you just go, yeah, I've, I've just got to, got to stay out here. And so, so I'm, I was really so disappointed afterwards with my performance and you know, I'm just hope I, I hope I get another chance, but you know, I'm also at least have the, 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 the happiness, the, the pride that I stayed out there. Cause I would have, I know felt a lot worse if I, if I hadn't, to be clear, sometimes you do have to leave. So there's no criticism of anybody who does leave because sometimes it's the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, I was able to stay out then. I'm, I'm glad for it. What's the current situation, Mike, with the squads? And are you sort of now hopeful for a sort of October championship? Yeah, no? so thank heavens. Thank heavens it's been moved to October, yeah, from May, the world's. Um, so, yeah, hoping for selection. So they're going to select in May. Um, I was in the team for the Europeans last year, which of course got yeah. cancelled. So you know, I've just got to hope I get another chance. If I don't, then I'll have to go back to tooting. Hope, hopefully see you there and we'll, uh, we'll go and knock it out the park there. Um, but yeah, I would lo obviously love another chance um, and uh, just apply some of the lessons learned, you know, kind of probably be a bit more, bit more cautious and um, smile a bit more next time. <laughs> <laughs> Superb, buddy. That's that's awesome, Mike. Just before before we finish, you, you very kindly uh, shared a sort of pre-launch of a of a book that you've written about twenty four hour racing, which um which was wonderful. Well, it's uh, it was all it was all about two singles, wasn't it? Kind of uh, about your GB qualification. Uh, I really enjoyed reading it. It's a sort of fantastic um, mixture of kind of sport and and life lessons, which was which is great. Um, do you want to tell us a, a little bit more about the book and um, and when it's coming out? Yeah, well, firstly, thank you for reading it. I really, really appreciate it. And I you know, appreciate the encouragement. Um, yeah, the book's launching on 18 March. It's called One Track Mind. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of based around the, the race um, in Tooting that David and I, and I were talking about, um, which for me was just this incredible sort of time of, of coming to understand what the ultra community was about and, and really, I think for the first time, feeling part of it, because obviously a lot of my running was done at, you know, Comrades, so um, not so much on the UK ultra scene. And uh, then also just reflections on life, because, you know, when you sort of, as a lot of people, as you guys know, a lot of people listening know, when you're out there after many hours and you're just kind of struggling to carry on, for example, you know, it's, life is fairly stripped bare of artifice and um you know a lot of things become clear so it's kind of some of those reflections and just on how i kind of got there um how i just some of the coaching some of the mental performance uh techniques that i used um and that might be useful to other people um, and the main thing i guess i just wanted to get across was kind of this 
it's almost like a love letter to the race and, and the community um, because it was just such a you know, such a special day. And, and I think that race you know, is just incredibly special. This is atmosphere around it. And I, you know, obviously, don't get me and David going again about that, but it is just a really, tooting is a very special you, race. And, you, you two can have a little sob about tooting together. That's, uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was, it's, it's all of that. And, um, and, and I'm hoping that it will kind of bring some additional profile to 24-hour running as well, because um, it is such a unique format. Um, yeah. So yeah, hopefully we'll do all of those things. That's, so yeah, one track mind, awesome. eighteen months. One track mind, and where can where where can people buy the book? Um, should be should be anywhere. Um, obviously, okay. Amazon, um, uh, Waterstones. Uh, it's, going, it's going on a on a print run into into bookshops. Um, if you if yeah, it's certainly going to be on a, in shops will be open. But if you go to Waterstones okay. website, you can get it. If you go to um, obviously Amazon. It's on Kindle and uh, paperback as well. So uh, yes, but Fantastic. yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do pre-orders like a couple of weeks before in in, in March. But um, yeah, it'll be available 18, uh, 18 March. Brilliant, excellent. And then just just to just to finish, just to just to put you put you on the spot, Mike. Just as, <laughs> oh, um, just as you've, <laughs> but I haven't been on put, the spot uh, yet. Well, not yet, not not okay. really. Just just, uh, just as you've put David on the spot with comrades. Um, <laughs> When are we going to see you on the start line of the mighty Spartathlon? <laughs> oh, wow. oh, wow. Well, I mean, I would love, absolutely love to do it. And that, that is just so up there on my, on my list. It's like you guys were saying, it's just kind of you know, a way to do everything. I think a race like that is, is kind of a once a year kind of level yeah. race. So I think probably the, the next, couple of years hopefully for me will be you know focused around the gb 24 hour yeah. team but sort of after that you know I, I would absolutely love to love to be there i just think it's obviously incredibly special as you know as you well you guys know better than anybody um yeah. so yeah and we could sort of see whether you know does that happen first does your bob graham happen first does david running comrades <laughs> happen first yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to see yeah uh, we can have an ultra face off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we could all do all three of them together how about that it's kind of like yeah man or, or you want to come and do the bob game yeah third, third uh, to that's on my list as well but um yeah that's a lot of recce that's a lot of work wow that's um yeah it's a well, lot of we've, prep. Yeah. we've got the gear mate we've got the gear just no idea <laughs> all the gear does <laughs> well yeah. i'll come and paste you one of your um one of your legs anyway so yeah nice. okay mate yeah we'll 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 hold you to that i'd love to excellent yeah. man Cool. All right, nice one. Well, th thanks a lot for joining us, Mike. Um, Superb, Mike. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. It's been great fun. Really appreciate it. Travel. Doctor, I'm in trouble. Doctor, I'm in trouble. Oh, doctor, I'm in trouble.